0: Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, friends. Uh, Very good stuff. So the second thing besides just celebrating is talking about vision. Because I think when you zoom out, when you get this chance to sort of press pause and look at what God has done over the last two years, plus, and what he wants to do, a birthday party is a great time to do that. So we're going to do that tonight, uh, share our vision, this unique vision that God has brought into the world in this city, at this time, in this neighborhood, and I think in the hearts of each of you that are sitting here today. And let me start by sharing a little bit of the story of how we got here, because I'm sure we've got some new people, and it's always a good reminder for those of us who have been around for a while. How did we get here? Well, I went, uh, grew up around here, went to University of Washington, got a master's in accounting. Yes? Come on. Uh, and then I moved to Dallas, Texas, and I went to work for one of the big four accounting firms, Deloitte. Any Deloitte? Great, don't go. Um, no, great great firm. Um, and I was working as an accountant. Then, this was almost 10 years ago, on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, 2007, I got a phone call that changed my life. Uh, it was my dad on the other end of the line, and he told me that my sister Kim had been hit by a truck while cycling and had been killed on the spot. Uh, Kim was 26 years old at the time. I was 24. And needless to say, it changed everything for me. After getting the phone call, I walked into this back alley behind this row of, of restaurants and, and bars um, because I was out at a St. Sa- Patrick's Day parade and, I, and for 25 minutes. I, I, I've talked about this in many ways and Uh, One way that I talk about it, it was like a spiritual, emotional, physical hyperventilation uh, to the point where I was so exhausted, I couldn't stand anymore. As I cried out to God, just, no, this can't be true. And I sat down on the ground because I couldn't stand anymore. My back up against this chain link fence. And then all of a sudden, a peace that surpasses all understanding came over me and I had this clarity never experienced it before never experienced it s- since and in that moment God delivered a message to me from my sister and it was like a download plugged into the back of my head this message that she wanted me to share with her friends most of whom 95% of whom were not followers of Jesus and it was complex it was longer than this but the gist of it was ask them to consider Jesus well about a week and a half went by and I told nobody of this experience and then at her memorial service I asked uh, the pastor if I could have a few minutes to share something and I got up and I delivered the message Kim gave to me and I pleaded with people to just consider Jesus it was a powerful experience uh I call it the first sermon I ever preached. Um, And in some ways, it's the last sermon that I will ever preach because God has continued to ask me to keep asking people to consider. Keep pleading with people to not wait and to start considering Jesus. And you see that word scattered throughout uh, the Sederis paraphernalia. In fact, Sederis is one of the two Latin root words of the word consider. And it literally means heavenly body. Consider together, com, sederis means with heavenly body. I found that out at midnight the night before Kim's memorial as I tried to change the words God had given to me. And I realized this is God's word. And since then, God has continued to press on my heart for the last 10 years, go ask people to consider. And he's continued to show me why this word is so powerful, why it is A word that can change people's hearts if you can just teach them how to consider. In my own life, it's prompted me and my family and others to put on um, two Consider concerts here in Seattle, one at the Soto, or at uh, uh, the Showbox, and one at the Moore Theater. Uh, And then thousands of people came to those, and then I went back to seminary and I studied theology and the Bible to, to make sure I'd considered myself as I went on this mission. And then uh, I got involved and participated in an urban church plant in Denver, Colorado. The three years I was in seminary and, and they themselves were a church plant. And they then sent us out to Seattle to plant a church and we started Sedaris. And throughout this, God has continued to develop and refine in me and those whom God has brought around me and Allie uh, this unique, what, I, what you might call theological vision. This unique theological vision to guide the direction of this church in this unique place, at this unique time, with unique people of this unique city so that the gospel message of Jesus Christ might go and do what it always does, which is transform. So I want to unpack this vision in a way tonight that I've never done before, but it's no different than how I've talked about it in the past. I want to unpack this vision, and for some of you, this will be a reminder of something that you already know and already do. For some of you, this might be revolutionary, and you might be challenged, and it might free you. As you seek to follow Christ in this city, in this era, amongst your friends. Some of you, it might be just reassuring because you're not yet a Christian. I hope that tonight's message is reassuring for you. That Christians aren't trying to bulldoze you into anything. They're not trying to coerce you. That at least in this place, it is safe to come and to consider the things of ultimate concern. This place is safe. You can come and start asking questions, maybe questions that no one else has helped you to ask. I hope it's reassuring for some of you that are in that place. So welcome to Sedaris. <laughs> so welcome to Sedaris. Now, let me explain how this idea of theological vision works, and then I'll walk us through it. So theological vision begins with doctrinal foundation which is to say that everything we do should be rooted in the divine Word of God, the Bible. We start from there because God tells us things that we cannot know only with our reason, for it is imperfect and fallible, so we need something that is perfect and infallible, which is the Word of God. So we start there, and I'll show you a little bit of of how that works. But that always then leads us to something else. Uh, It never stops there. It leads us, To see how the gospel now works out in our unique time, in our unique place, in the unique DNA of the community of which we're a part of, of the ministry of which we're a part of. It will have unique emphases. It will have unique focuses. And then that theological vision will then express itself in unique ministry opportunities that do not have to be the same for each and every church or each and every ministry um, they're unique okay so so we're gonna do a little bit of that work and be like this is a weird thing I've never uh, sounds like a seminar <laughs> on vision well it is welcome to Sedaris okay okay so we gotta start with what do we believe okay and what we find is that time and time again no one will you bring on my whiteboard over here is that time and time again everybody loves the whiteboard okay is that time and time again it has terrible wheels but just push through doing a great job clearly this guy works out he just drug that thing with one hand no wheels congratulations on all your success okay great okay so I'm going to step down here am I still in the light when I step down okay too bad for you guys still in the light okay so, you've got this actually printed. You're welcome. Thank you, Kinkos. Uh, printed in your bulletin. So if you can't read it, great. I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to Elise. Did the artwork here? Can we get a round of applause for Elise Cantini? Okay. She's the one that looks like she's related to Grayson. If you see her. Okay. So. Okay. So, what you find again and again and again and again and again when you read the Bible is that although we tend to think of things in sort of black and white or two tiers, actually in the Bible we see three tiers. This is the top tier, this is the middle tier, this is the lower tier. Okay? Revolutionary yet? We're going to be talking about this because it changes everything when we understand what I'll call the forgotten middle. If we don't understand the forgotten middle, we will totally miss what it means to be effective in the ministry God's called us to. Okay? So we've got this forgotten middle. So let me try to explain it a little bit here. Okay? You've got past, present, future. Agree? Those are three historical time periods. You've got already, not yet. And you've got already, but not yet. If you've been around long enough, you've probably heard these terms. You've got death. You've got life to the full. Jesus says, I've come to bring life and to bring it to the full. But that's up there. And then here in the middle, you've got life and death cohabitating. Then what you've got? Um, You've got raw material. That's what I call it. This is my accounting cost of goods sold coming out. Raw material. You've got in progress and then you've got it is finished. Finished goods. Okay? We're going to keep going here because this is fun. You've got fallen creation. Genesis chapter 3. We see that God has made everything And yet, because sin enters the world, everything is affected and we have fallen, corrupt creation. And then up here we have the kingdom of heaven, the new heavens and the new earth as God promises that he will redeem all things, not just human beings, but all things and put them back together in new heavens and the new heavens and new earth. And then in between, you've got Jesus saying things like, kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven well if you have to pray that it comes it means it hasn't come in full but it does come in part you see this how this works let me go to the other side here no I'm gonna not go to the other side sorry if you can't see in the front row you've got your sheet you've got Adam okay Adam is the first human being and he rebels against God You've got God Himself, the triune, that's to the third degree, Father, Son, and Spirit. And then you've got Jesus. Jesus, fully God, and fully man. See that? And He is the new Adam, Scripture tells us. The one who does what Adam failed to do, which is live the perfect life. But He's living it Not up here, he came down into our world. Then you've got the old self, that's the natural body, the body that fades away and has a 100% victory rate. It always, death always kills it. Then you've got the new self, which is that heavenly body, that sederis word, which is to say the resurrected body that Jesus says, just like I've been resurrected from the grave So, too, will you experience a resurrection like mine if you have faith in me. But then there's something in between. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You have the old self and the new self living together, coexisting in this life. Uh, I've done it again, I've put them twice life, life and death. Life, you've got darkness, you've got light. God is unapproachable light, perfect, pure light. It says in Revelation that there will be no need for the sun or the moon because the light of God will fill all things. But then there's this in between. We have light and darkness commingling, living together. Then you've got. Now, stop. (laughs) Now we come. You see how this works? You see this forgotten middle? It's this world of paradox that that most of us live in, which is to say, new things have begun, but they have not come to completion. And again and again, the Bible talks about this, yet somehow we forget that this is the way that it works, okay? And because we forget this this is the way it works, we want to almost shrink down the middle and say you're either in or you're out. Just not the way it goes. God hasn't given us that option in his plan. Now, let me make a few very important points. Okay. The unapproachable light of God, the perfection of God, the holiness of God, the glory of God, which is up here. In and of itself, because of its majesty, because of its weight, like gravity, desires to crush anything that is imperfect, a work in progress, not yet. That's just God's justice at work. He just can't coexist with anything that is not. It's, it's, it's nothing, he's not a bad guy, it's just that is impossible for it to happen, And so the weight of heaven presses down on this middle. And do you know the only thing that keeps it from crushing the middle and removing any chance for people to live in this in-between and to consider and to figure out, is the gospel true? The only thing that is holding God's glory from crushing And I'll say, from the darkness of the world to press up and crush the middle and exclude the middle. The only thing that holds that up is the cross of Christ. It's like a beam holding back the glory of God from crushing all imperfection and the darkness of the world from eradicating the light that is available in the middle. And God in His sovereignty has sent His Son Jesus to be that beam that's holding it up. Think of it like a Jenga peg. That if that cross were not there, the middle would crush. And it's in the middle that we come to consider the Gospel, to hear the Gospel, and to ultimately accept the Gospel of Jesus Christ and by faith become made new, become made holy by the blood of Jesus so that we can experience this new reality. So it is like a beam holding it up. The the death and resurrection of Jesus is holding it up. Now, here's the awesome thing. It's not just a beam. It's also the bridge. It's the only thing that takes you from death to life, from the already to the not yet, from the past life of sin to the future life with God. It's the only thing that takes the old self and makes it fully new It's the only way the dead is resurrected is through the cross of Christ. You see, so it's the beam that is for a time holding it up so that we can have this chance to sit in here and consider is this true? And it is also the bridge that the only way to actually make it across some people call this Middle Earth (laughs) to make it across Middle Earth is by the bridge which is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so for one, you say, what is the vision of Sedaris? You can't take out the cross and the resurrection and you can't dumb it down and you can't say it's just a nice picture of, of what it means to sacrifice for your friends. It is the only way to life from death. It is the only way darkness turns into light. The, new becomes, the old becomes new. It's the only way. It's the beam. It's the bridge. Now, here is the, the problem. Look at, look at these last ones. So so what happens is, this in-between, this middle tier, it becomes the place where considering happens. So considerers pursue truth in the middle. Down here, they do not. They're indifferent to truth. These are non-considerers. You can see it on your sheet maybe better than here. They're indifferent to truth. And we live actually in a very unique age in which the indifference to truth is greater than it probably has ever been, because of things like postmodern philosophy, deconstructionism. All sorts of things have created uh, a confusion about is there truth to be found? So there's become an indifference to truth. But when people come into this middle realm, they become considerate. They pursue truth, and then, of course, when they get ultimately to see God as He truly is, they become fully considered and convinced of its truth. They have found truth. Now, this is how, that's how it works for the individual. How it works for the community is this. Down here in the lower tier, you have an apathetic community to the questions and concerns that matter most. Up here, in the top realm, you have a convinced community that has seen the truth. But in between, you have something else. You have a considering community, which is a group of people, and it's made up of people who are already Christians and people who are not yet Christians, that have decided together to consider the things of greatest concern. This is a considering community, and it's beautiful because it's full of all the things that these are full of. Life and death, light and darkness, but it's committed at least to pursuing truth. And then finally, what you see at the very end there is you see the church. And the church sits in this middle tier, in, in middle earth, and it does all the things that we've said. and doesn't shy away from them, and it shouldn't try to become, uh, all, it shouldn't try to become exclusive in the sense that uh, unless you already know everything, you can be a part of it. But it's also not what you see in the lower tier, which is just utilitarian cooperation. Like how do we develop a a community, a society that just works together for everyone's maximization of good? And then what you see that happens when that community continues to grow and ultimately enters the top tier is that it becomes God's people glorified, which is the heavenly body the collective of the saints living in eternity, worshiping God together. This is how it flows. And here is the primary issue, the primary problem in this day and age is that so few people in our city are living in the middle realm. it has been shrunk down and so few people live here. That's why I call it the forgotten middle. So few people are choosing not to live the considered life. Let me give you an example of this. For, For almost the entirety of human history, there have been three really big questions that everyone asked. One, what is the purpose of life? Two, what is the meaning of my suffering and the suffering of others? And three, what happens to me when I die? Those questions aren't being asked anymore. Now you say, I think people are asking those questions. I think they're nodding at them. I think they want to talk about them only in the sense of how maybe Christianity doesn't perfectly answer them. So the problem of suffering, for instance, is something we talk a lot about, but we don't actually ask, well, what's the meaning then? We just say, it's hard to understand how good God could allow this. That's not asking and considering the question, it's poking at the question. the middle has shrunk down and it is our job as the church to help expand it again that is our goal that is our theological vision for this church is to enlarge the habitation of the forgotten middle this territory of consideration to make it as big as possible and to make it as easy to enter. Watch this. This is the role of the church. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to do two fingers because I want to I I get this line. I want to make it easy. I want, I want this border to be as thin as possible so that people might enter from this realm into this. Now, on a macro level, it can't just be our church. There needs to be considering communities scattered throughout this city. So I believe in church planting. It's not just about Sedaris Church. We want to hopefully plant churches and we want to support other churches and we want to be a part of networks that are starting churches because to make enough holes in this line that people might filter through into the considered life, it's going to take way more than just one church. That's the only way to turn a desert into a gospel forest again. So that's a macro vision. Now, the micro theological vision for our little church in our neighborhood is to be a truly considering community. And to do that, to occupy well this area, we've got to do these three things one, we've got to remain open. We can't raise the bars to entry into our community because our job is to take people from here to here, to help them cross the bottom line. Our job is not to take people from here to eternity. That's God's job. we got to let him do his job, and we got to do our job. And so our job is to get people from here apathetic, indifferent to truth, living in the darkness, to decide to come and live the paradoxical life of the considerer. That's our job. And we have to fight both against other Christians who are telling us that you have to somehow have a seminary degree to be a part of the considering community. Or you have to prove all of these things to be a part of our no. The one requirement for being a part of Sedaris church is that you actually, honestly want to consider truth. That's it. Now, if you don't want to consider and you just want to pick a fight and, and you just want to sleep in church or whatever you want, probably don't, it doesn't make sense for you to come. But if you honestly want to consider, no matter where you're at, no matter what your past has been or what you've thought about God in the past or what you've said about Him or what you've posted about Him, this place is for you if you honestly want to consider, was I right? Because you see, this is how questions get answered. They get posed, they get considered, and then they get answered by God. And for some reason... We've forgotten that middle piece. Now, for some people, it happens in an instant. The question is posed, they're considering it, and they believe it. Praise be to God if that's your story. For others, the question is posed, and then it's 30 years of considering. And then finally, the question gets answered. Jesus asked a great question. Who do you say that I am? I want people to ask that question, and I want them to consider it. And the church needs to be a place where they can do that, not be a place where they're beaten down if they don't understand or they don't yet believe. We want them to be in the middle, not down in the darkness. So, we've got to fight against our tendency to want to exclude because people aren't there yet, but then we also have to fight against those... those uh, Enemies outside of the church. Things like attacks on truth, like I said, postmodern philosophy. It's just not helping people enter this area because it's telling them, you're not going to find anything. There's nothing to find. We also want to fight against theocracy, which is to say, whatever form of theocracy it is, we don't want that to be a part of our world. We don't want people to be told what they have to believe because it shrinks this down and doesn't allow people the freedom to encounter God. So we want to remain open and then we want to advertise that we are open for business, you could say. The ease of entry is low. Um, here's how it might sound if people, if you hear friends or, or whatnot saying this, they might say something uh, that goes like this. Uh, you invite them to come to church or to a fellowship group or to Alpha, and they, they'll say something like this. They'll say, uh, well, you know, I wouldn't fit in there. I'm not re- very religious. Have you ever heard that? When you hear that, your ears should perk up, and you should say this. Great. This place is perfect for you. This place is for considerers, not the religious And we'd love to have you join us at Alpha Fellowship Group, Church, First Friday, Picnic, whatever, because this place is for you. It's a place for considerers. Are you interested in that? Now, they might still say, no, I'm not religious. You say, okay, let me try to explain it to you again. I've got this great handout. (laughs) Just let me walk you through it. It'll only take 40 to 50 minutes. Okay. Second thing to make this actual theological vision come uh, into fruition is we need to be attractive. Not physically, clearly. Anybody can do this. We need to be attractive uh, in that we need to make men and women see that this is something they should want in their life. We make it attractive to them. How do we do that? How do we make this attractive to them? Well, We have to let them see that transformation, healing, growth is real. It's not just something that we preach about. That it's actually happening. That we're actually being changed because we're living in the forgotten middle. Then we have to let them see that this is not just a thing that we do. Because we have to. But that it's an actual family and that family goes beyond biological, that family is spiritual and it's real and it's happening. That's attractive to people. Then we have to let them see that talking about the things of ultimate concern, asking these big questions like, what's going to happen to me when I die, that it's not a waste of time, but it's actually quite fun. I had a great story of my friend Max, and, and we had a great conversation. And it was a hard conversation. And he said this to me as we were walking to our cars in the parking lot. And I couldn't believe it because it was heavy, it was hard. He said to me, Dave, thanks, that was fun. And I was like, fun? That was heavy. But I'd forgotten that most people don't get to talk like this about the things that really matter. And then we gotta do this. We've got to let this be such a part of us all of us participating all of us being transformed all of us being a part of the family all of us having fun having these kinds of conversations to the point where we begin to glow the bible says that we will become like a city on a hill bright shining like a star that no one will be able to turn from us because our light is too attractive to avoid You see, because in the darkness, the light shines even brighter. So we have a chance here in Seattle, because it can be a very spiritually dark place, to be truly like the stars in the sky. Like the heavenly bodies that the ancients talked about. And then, finally, we have to be celebratory. Here's what I mean by this. When somebody walks across this line, even if they're still so unsure, and even if they're angsty, and they come to honestly pursue truth and to consider, maybe I've had it wrong, maybe I don't have all the answers, maybe my experience growing up wasn't the true church, and they walk across that line, even before they choose to follow Jesus, We celebrate. We celebrate. I'm so glad you're here. This is so awesome. You are now living in the middle, and that's where you're supposed to be. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're thinking about these things. Yeah, but I don't believe. That's great. Just keep considering. So we want to, when they cross the line for the first time, celebrate them When they join the conversation of our considering community, we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate when they become more and more considerers of ultimate truth, start asking the big questions, and we never stop celebrating as they continue to move their way across Middle Earth. See that? So we celebrate. We're attractive and we're open. And then we start to become this theological vision of a true considering community. And then we get creative and we find creative ways to do ministry expressions that accomplish this theological vision of being a true considering community. And it's going to look different. There's going to be all types of expressions over time that we get to do as we create spaces and communities for people to consider alongside of us. Different strokes for different folks. So some people are going to be really drawn to Alpha. Alpha is a class that we do. We're halfway through it right now, uh, down at Rainier Brewery, and we talk about the big, the ten big questions of that people have about Christianity, and we do it over dinner. Some people want to go to fellowship groups that meet in homes around Seattle. And they become like little micro-families. Some people are going to be most comfortable coming to Sunday worship and hearing a sermon. And then some people are only going to respond to personal engagement. And so we have this personal responsibility to them. Now whatever these ministry expressions are, remember this. Our job, you and me, we have the same job by the way, I know it seems like I have a different job, but we all have the exact same job. Our job is not to save people. That's crossing the top line. Our job is to help convince them and to help them actually consider. Cross the bottom line. And then our job is to walk them along, to help them do it better, to find new ways. And to do this, of course, we look to Jesus, our example, the perfecter of our faith, and we do exactly what He's done to help people cross this middle tier. And that is, we pick up our cross daily. This is hard work, being a true considering community. This is not easy. It's so much easier to shut up our borders. It's so much easier to just sort of hang out here right by the heaven line and just wait for Jesus to come back. It's so much easier than just living down here with the people and being liked by them and looking a lot like them. But to truly be, it's hard work. I call this a crucifixion community. This is a crucifixion community in which we give up temporal elements of this life, good elements of this life for the ultimate purposes of God, including the present and future good of others. So if you came to me and you told me, Dave, what would you rather have? Your sister back? And she could experience a full life that she didn't get She could have 70 more years of life, she could have 50 more years of marriage, she could have four kids and 15 grandkids, she could have an amazing career, but yet she wouldn't know Jesus, and that's all she'd have. What do you think I'd say to you? That she could have her back? No, absolutely not. There's no way when you understand the way the world actually is that I would choose that. Yet, every single time that we fail to sacrifice for our friends, for our loved ones to help them enter into the considered life, we are ultimately taking that deal. We are saying, I want you to have a great life down here. I want you to maximize this to the full. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to push you at all. We're ultimately saying what I would have to say to have my sister back. It's a no-brainer. Don't let yourself be deceived. And so you hear the challenge, right? But the paradigm to success in this is not only challenge. The paradigm to success is challenge and support. So it sounds something like this. You say to a friend, you should really try this, dot, dot, dot. Some considering activity. They say to you, but I've never, dot, dot, dot. And then you know what you say to them? I know. That's why I am here to help. You see that? Challenge and support. Challenge and support. And you walk along life with people, helping them to consider It's the greatest joy to get to be a part of that process, that God allows us to be the church. And the church is the expert in Middle Earth. We are the ones that know how to do this. We are the ones that are asking these questions. We are the ones who are the entrepreneurs. We are the ones who are the homesteaders in that we lock down and we love this. This is our time. It won't be here forever. Because eventually, Jesus will return and this middle will be gone. But for now, Peter tells us, the Apostle Peter says, why is God being so patient? Because he wants many to be saved. So he's kept the cross there, he's kept the bridge, and he's kept the beam because he wants many to be saved. And so, we get to be the experts, the innovators of this realm. It's so cool. So, in 2016, we did a lot of this. We, did, we trained up 20 emerging leaders to learn how to better be missionaries in this realm. We did a collaborative hackathon where we came together and, like a bunch of software people, we hacked an idea of how do we actually help people cross this line. I call 2016 the year of the fellowship group. Fellowship groups th- were thriving in 2016 as people were really getting connected in a familial-type atmosphere that they might feel safe and empowered to come and talk about the things of Jesus. Now, what we're doing now, we got, like I said, 65 people in Alpha considering and reconsidering who Jesus is. We've got a new Emerging Leaders class starting up this Saturday. If you're interested in being a part of that, we still have some spots available if you want to talk to me. It's a year-long course, once a month, and we talk about some deeper theology about what it means To be on mission for God. And then we've got our next hackathon coming up on the 18th. Now what's on the horizon? There's this amazing thing we're calling the bear and the butterfly. The bear and the butterfly. And we are going to talk about the questions of life. And our society that seem so hard to grasp. Even though intellectually we're like this giant bear. But we can't get a hold of these beautiful ideas, the butterflies. I know you're intrigued. That's going to be an open forum in the public, not in the church, coffee shops, things like that, where people can come of any background and just talk about these things. Bear in the butterfly. We're going to relaunch the Consider Project. If you're on the top of a mountain and you have a moment where you just experience God and you see God and you see His glory, or it makes you think about why would He do? Take a video of yourself. Talking about this thing that you've considered, hashtag consider project, and we're going to try to stir up an entire city, an entire world at some point, maybe, to learn how to consider. And you guys are the ones that are showing them how to do it. You're modeling it for them. And then 2017, I I feel like, is going to be the year of the lookout, where we really, as a church, get better at considering others seeing our community, serving in our community, seeing the marginalized, seeing the sick, going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's my hope for 2017. And so all of this is part of the considered life. Okay, finally, let me give you these. If you're not yet a Christian, maybe God is drawing you into this considering community. You don't have to become a Christian to be a part of it. Maybe he's drawing you in. He's challenging you to be a part of this community and to consider truth claims about Jesus and his gospel. We welcome you into our community. If you're a guest here and you're already following Jesus, maybe God's drawing into you, you into this unique mission, this unique time, this unique place, this unique church. Maybe he wants you to stop hopping from church to church, to set your roots down, to stop being anonymous, to start being responsible to be the arms, the feet, the hands of the local church and help people consider and cross this line. You're welcome here at Sedaris. We'd love to have you. Maybe you're already a Sedaris family member. Maybe God's reminding you of why he's called you to this place. Maybe he's reminding you of the uniqueness of this mission. Maybe he's reminding you that it's not enough just to show up, but that he wants you to be pressing in, challenging and supporting as you help others consider. Maybe you're reminded that you need to cultivate the considered life in your own life so that you might model it for others. Those are... (laughs) My three takeaways, my three challenges for the vision of Sederis going forward in this year so that God may get all the glory and this city might be redeemed for their good. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this mission. We thank you because we have friends and we have family who are not living above the bottom line That you've given us time. That the cross is standing, holding back eternity from pressing down and giving people a chance to enter into the considered life, to to think about, to consider, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Is he, by his death and resurrection, the only bridge, the only way to life eternal in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? We pray, Father, that you would help us to live out this mission you've called us to with vigor and vigilance, and may you always be the victor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.